0: I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia.
1: All right, welcome back. I am
0: excited. Are you? I am then because how? you're. F- I have spent the whole week horrified by the mm-hmm. story that you presented last week and not
1: being able to look up the information
0: because you wouldn't let me. And mm-hmm. I was, I was very tempted. Yeah, but but I kept to my word. I had told Haley I wouldn't look up information. I did not. I'm proud. So now I want to know what
1: happened. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we were talking about like last week how this story that is so horrific, n- never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it, but also gives in cold blood vibes.
0: Totaling cold blood
1: vibes. Yes. Like
0: that movie, that book. Yes. Was so terrifying and so scary. It's
1: like the overt, like, epitome of like true crime writing. A hundred percent. That was it.
0: And and yeah. My grandma lived it. I was telling Haley yeah. last week. My grandma is from Kansas and not far from where the that crime happened. And it totally changed how they did things. Um, she wouldn't walk alone anymore. And um, they locked their doors. And just, you know, yeah. the whole vibe changed. So, And I'm sure that that happened in this town in Georgia as well. Oh, for
1: sure. I remember um, we had to do, which I really liked, every... I think nine weeks or six weeks or whatever it was when we were in school. Um, when I was in eighth grade we had to read a a book of our choosing. Could read, you know, any book. Um, but you had to do a little project, like some type of physical representation of that book and present it to the class. So I remember I was very into true crime even as a young student. As a single even then. Even then. And I chose in cold blood as one of my books and I, I believe they had they were off of a list of like classic like mm-hmm. you had to pick a classic um and that is you know a classic and I chose that one and I remember I think I was you know 14 reading this book um was a very that got me very interested in in you know procedural solving things so my project I made um a case file and I went and found like original documents from the case or copies of the original documents (laughs) from the case i didn't go to kansas and pull the case files which would have been super cool but like really that's you go to extremes um, but like went to like different sites like government sites and found all the information and copies of original like interviews and things like that and put them in a little file and like so cool. And we had them all displayed in the library at school. Did so. you get an A?
0: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, I as well had my choice of, of the classics. And I said, you know what? Green eggs and ham. That's and, the one. And I, yeah, um, I was, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess college. So I'm <laughs> I can't remember. Actually, I would have because I was an elementary ed major. You were an Go elementary ahead. ed major.
1: No, I can't remember. The only other one I can remember reading, because I know I we did several, was Of Mice and Men. Oh. It was the only other one yeah. that I remember yeah. having to do. But there were several well, other ones one. that we yeah. we had to read. And that one traumatized me. Yeah. And I do remember the poor, I can't remember this boy's name, but this poor boy, he chose um, The Wizard of Oz. And we all knew he didn't read the book. He had just watched the movie, and I remember our teacher in cold blood looking him straight in the eyes, saying, "What color were Dorothy's shoes? Because they're not red in the book." They're not red in the book. And he said, "Red." Immediate failure. Yep. Like brutal eighth grade English yep. teacher, like yep. just let him have it. Want you to know, and we had
0: summer reading in eleventh grade. My summer reading was, uh. Oh god. What's that? Oh, the Let's... one from the 20s and it's the family that moves around. Um the family that moves around in the 20s or, or in the Great Depression. Oh god. Is it the the glass not glass menagerie. That's um Tennessee Williams. Oh. That's a play. That is a play. Um It's big thick book. It was the
1: best of times, it was the worst of times. The, re- the listeners are screaming it. They're screaming it. Okay, oh, they're screaming it. I can't think of it. it. Hang on, I'll Google that quote. Hang on. Okay, but anyway, what did you do with it? Anyway,
0: so it's about this family, travels around uh, amidst the Great Depression in, in the United States. Um, so I did not read the book, but there was a movie um, with um, Henry Fonda, and I was like, okay, I'm going to you know watch this film it was in black and white it was very lengthy it was very boring and i was too busy talking to my friend on the phone so i was like i'm gonna fake it till i make it there was a test and you had to write in so it said who is you know what is rose of sharon describe rose of sharon so i said a beautiful rose that grows in the field my teacher said i need you to come up here please i did and she said did you read this book A Tale of Two Cities. Actually, it wasn't. I that was that that was the quote from A Tale of Two Cities, which I also read. So sorry, it's not that one. It is. It's something else. Okay, continue. Continue. You've been called to the front. You've been
1: called to the front. I've
0: been called to the front, and I come up and I talk to her. She said, "You didn't read this book, did you?" And I said, "Um." She said, "Did you at least watch the movie?" And I said, "All right. I rented it from Blockbuster, but I started talking to my friend on the phone, and I couldn't." you know, totally watch it because it was kind of boring. And she was like, okay, what is Rose of Sharon? And I told her again, and she said, it was a character. She was one of the characters. Her name was Rose of Sharon. She was a character. And I was like, oh, crap. And she said. The Grapes of Wrath. The Grapes of Wrath. That's hey. what it was. Sorry, guys. The Grapes, the Grapes of Wrath. Us. I got You've my quotes wrong. You've all been screaming You've been at screaming. Us. Uh, anyway, and she said. I'm going to give you a 70 and I said oh that's generous
1: generous. (laughs) and she
0: said in the future at least fake it better yeah do some research yeah and I was like you know what I heard that I took it and when I didn't read cold mountain I at least didn't read it better and
1: I did an oral (laughs) presentation got an a plus it's all you know it's
0: you learned a valuable exactly
1: exactly 100% the Ghost of wrath is on that top shelf up there somewhere. Did you like I think. it? I've never read it. Why is it on your shelf? Like I you think read it? I it's on my shelf. Maybe it's not. Well, because I have a lot of books on my shelf I haven't read. It may not actually be up there. But I feel like it is. Maybe it's not. It's
0: really thick.
1: Yeah. So maybe it's not yeah. up
0: there. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's the great uh, way our to... Our trauma
1: of um, <laughs> English class. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great to get into this. Yeah. Um, so... The right. recap yeah yep so we left off um the alde family in georgia have been horrifically murdered by three escaped convicts and billy that they picked up on the road 15 year old billy um they've gone through multiple cars yep, um we've... and they stole a car from richard
0: in pennsylvania
1: Yeah, we're trying to figure out what happened to him came down to georgia in that car
0: and now they're driving mary's car yep um and they're headed even further south
1: Yes, so they are now on the run. Gotcha. So, um, they were all, and I don't really have a lot of um, info on how they were captured, but they all, you know, ended up being caught. I think there, some of them kind of split. There was some people around. I don't know. It's all very fuzzy on how they were caught. Gotcha. But they were all caught. So we are kind of go through but, each other. But at different times. Different times. So at some point they all got scared and. Yeah. So. Okay. Yes. George Dungy was the first one to be captured. Um, and he was taken into custody on May 17th, which was the day of the funerals. Hmm. Which is only three days after yes, the murders. so he they didn't make it very far. Yeah. Um, He was interrogated for over two hours um, and he told, you know, pretty much everything. Was like, this is what happened. Talked about the assault, the rape, the murder. Um, He confessed that he had not been able to sleep since um, what we had done to that woman. Mm. So he had a little bit of a guilty conscience, it seemed like. Um, And he did say that only Billy was innocent of the rape and murder. He said Billy wasn't, you know, he's 15, he wasn't involved in the rape and the murder. Like, he didn't pull a trigger, he didn't participate in the rape, he was just along for the ride. So, there's a piece of George that seems like wanting to protect young Billy. And George did participate in the rape? Yes.
0: Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Probably under some duress from...
1: Yeah, so he he was trying to protect Billy However, ballistics Which they did, testing the bullets and everything um, In the body Showed that the Aldays had been killed With four different types of guns Hmm. One of which Billy had been carrying So does that mean Billy fired that gun? Or does that mean that somebody grabbed the gun Billy had been holding? Or after the fact, did Billy take that gun And was like, this is my gun now?
0: Or maybe they said, here, keep this for safety, give it to him.
1: It's hard to say. You don't know. We don't know.
0: I mean, it seems like George is being pretty forthcoming.
1: Yeah. But it
0: it could have been a protective thing. Like, I'm I'm going away forever, Mm -hmm. and I don't want this young boy to, too. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, Wayne's story was a little bit different from George's. Yeah. You know, George kind of had this remorse, sadness about what had happened. Wayne, though, appeared to have a pretty good time recounting, you know, what had happened to the Alday family. Um, He boasted that he personally had killed every single one of them. Like, I did it. I was the one who did it. Um, And he was proud of the, of, of this fact. Like, proud of what he had done. Um... He smiled, laughed as he was telling law enforcement, you know, all about this stuff. So, George actually had, you know, a pretty clear memory of what had happened. You know, timeline where they were, what had happened. He was pretty, pretty on it. Um, Wayne, though, was a little bit more fuzzy. Um, For a man who was responsible for all of this? He had no idea. So he was so fuzzy on the details, and I think just an idiot, um, (laughs) that he had to ask officers if Alabama was a part of Georgia, and if Louisiana was a county in Mississippi. Oh, good God, he's slow. Yeah, just not great. Not great at geography. uh. Which, you know... Maybe he wasn't in school a lot, didn't learn his states. That's true. I mean, it so could be, it just you know, ugh. Um, but if you can't even figure that out, though, I don't think you're gonna mastermind the murder of six people. Not
0: unless you're no, I don't think you're the mastermind. I think that you are you were a participant, doing what your brother tells you to do. Yeah,
1: you were a participant. Mm-hmm. Um, so Billy's account was very similar to George's. Um, you know, he said that, you know, the Alde family members arrived at the trailer. He got the right order, um, the order in which they were killed. And he said, you know, he had not participated in the murder at all. That He was just there. Not great, but at least she didn't kill anybody. Um, Only Carl refused to say anything about the day. Um, The only thing he would say was that it was a pretty May day. He's a psychopath. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the four inmates were returned to Seminole County on May 24th of 1973. This is just 10 days after the murders. So they've been picked up, interviewed, and transported wow. back all within 10 days of wow. this murder. That's impressive. Um, and they were supposed to be arraigned at the courthouse in Donaldsonville. Um, each of them faced six counts of murder, as well as felony charges of rape, kidnapping, armed robbery, and the theft of Mary Alde's car. So, with all four of them under arrest, um, the long wait for the family of Richard Miller, that missing Pennsylvania teenager, um, was finally able to come to an end. So, they now, they have everybody there. We're going to figure out what happened to Richard. Because his poor family has been like, oh my god, our son's missing. Yeah. Like, for, you know, a month, I guess. Probably about a month. Couple weeks. Couple Um, weeks. Yeah. So... With the discovery of his car at the Alday site, the Mary Alday site, where she was murdered in the woods, Um, there were eyewitnesses in Pennsylvania who gave accounts of the men that Richard was chasing. Authorities suspected that Richard was probably dead, but they wanted to locate his body to return it to his family. So they're going off the assumption that the men have killed Richard to take his car, which, you know, good theory. Um, Probably in the trunk. Yeah. There were several hours of negotiation um, in which Wayne was assured that nothing he said or did could be used against him. So Wayne is the chosen one here. Mm. Um, he agreed to return to Pennsylvania to aid in you know, recovering Richard's body. Uh, shortly after his arraignment on May 24th, he was taken by plane to Maryland, where he laughingly told authorities that he had pulled the trigger himself. Which again. Yeah. Um, for three days, he led officers in circles. On a wild goose chase. Around the Pennsylvania Maryland border. Um, he told them that he knew plenty about the homicide, but he had no geographical sense. Clearly. Uh, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> and he was then to Georgia, returned to Georgia. It's probably in Louisiana County. Yeah. Um, so he was not able to help them find Richard Miller's body, but authorities were surprised when Carl said, I'll help. So Carl, you know, broke his silence, broke his silence and said, you know, I know where he is. I'll tell you where he is. So unlike Wayne, though, um, he was transported to Pennsylvania, had no remorse but he actually had a photographic memory of landmarks and where they had traveled. Like, he could tell you exactly where they'd been, what was on the side of the road. Like, he knew it all. So, crazy smart, which is terrifying. Yes. Um, He did not want to take them there. He just told them. Oh, so, okay. he directed police to the exa- exact route they had taken from when Richard Miller had taken off following them to when they had um, eventually circled back and kidnapped Richard. The group um, was taken to a small town of Flintstone, Maryland, where Carl gave them detailed instructions on where to find Richard's body, Um, and he did not want to accompany them to the site. The body of Richard Wayne Miller was found exactly where Carl said it would be. Um, It was up a logging road, and to the left of debris-strewn trash dumps. So this is just a really sketchy area. Um, The men had tied his hands behind his back, forced him onto his knees, and then they argued about who was going to kill him. Um, The whole time Richard's pleading for his life. You know, he's 19. He's a child. Um, he was then shot in the back of the head, and his body was left with the trash. Um, Carl was very much like, you know, we killed him, whatever. Um, had to happen. So we didn't know exactly who it was? We don't. We okay. don't know exactly point, who pulled the trigger. Um, Carl said that from the moment that Richard Miller had approached them, he was a dead man. So, like, that was the plan, you know. We taken off chasing them. They... We're like, yeah, we gotta kill him. Jeez. So. Mm. So now we're gonna get into some of the trial stuff. Good. So, so a trial is
0: taking place in Donaldsonville, right? Yes, in okay. Georgia.
1: Okay. Um, the Do you think they would get a fair trial though, in Donald? We're gonna talk about okay. it. We're gonna talk about it. So first trial started was the one um, was for Carl. Um, Billy had actually made a deal with prosecutors, um, who felt that because Billy was gonna be uneligible for the death penalty due to his age, mm-hmm. um, was the best eyewitness, and that he had, you know, been told by several people, like it had been said by Billy and several of the others, that he had nothing to do with it. So they were like, "Well, he's probably gonna be the best." source of information. Gotcha. Um, so, so we're going to use him to testify right, against everybody yep, else. yep. So rather than going to trial, Billy was going to be sentenced to two 20-year terms for burglary and car theft. And that was the maximum sentence he could receive. And he would testify against the three defendants. But he wouldn't have to go through the trial. He wouldn't have to deal with any of that. And he's not eligible for the death penalty. So... Um, the state of Georgia versus Carl Isaacs started at 930 in the morning on December 31st of 1974. Um, and the judge was Walter Greer. Um, both of the prosecution and the defense made closing arguments on January 5th. So not a super long trial. That was very fast. Trial. Um, and then they sent the case to the jury to deliberate. 68 minutes later... <laughs> <laughs> the jury reached his verdict. Take a while to think about it. Yeah. Um, they found Carl Isaacs guilty on all accounts, and he was sentenced to death. Good. The trial against George began nine days later, um, followed the same kind of style as Carl's pretty quick. 58 minutes after yeah. the jury got the case, they returned with their verdict of guilty on all counts. Um, George's attorney did... Kind of do a little bit more of a you know plea for him to not get the death penalty. Um, the jury deliberated less than two hours before voting on death. I
0: mean, yes, he was a participant in this, but also it seems like he had some remorse, yeah. So to me, it seems like he should have just had life in prison, but but you know.
1: well, I mean, we'll. We'll get there. We're going to get okay. to some more things. Yeah, because yep,
0: around maybe. this time, we're talking about turnovers in death penalties. Yep. Okay,
1: yep. go ahead. Um, Wayne Coleman's trial was last. Um, but like the two previous, it was about a three-day trial. Um, ended with a guilty verdict on all counts. After the jury deliberated for about 50 minutes. Um, Coleman, who... Kind of had a different feel. He was nervous through the whole thing. He was very fidgety. Um, he was sentenced to death fifty minutes after his attorney had pleaded for his life.
0: Wow.
1: Um, however, after the judge pronounced the sentence, he smiled broadly and said, "Thanks, judge." Before what? he was led away crazy. These people are crazy. My gosh, They're awful and they're crazy. Um, so, although trials were quick, Convictions were quick. Sentencing was quick. Um, carrying out the sentences would not be so quick, as it never is. It never is with you know death penalty cases. Yeah, especially when they've been sentenced to death, they're never fast. I think the average now is like twelve years that a person will spend on death row.
0: It, yeah, and that's that's being generous.
1: Yeah, and that's low. Yeah, that's a low amount of time. Wow. Um. So. The judge had already set the execution dates initially for February 15th of 1974. Um, He felt that since the Aldays had died together, so should their killers. Um, But it was kind of just a formality because there were mandatory um, and automatic appeals that had to happen. Right. Still do. Absolutely. Yeah. And as they should. As they should. Yes. You should be doing all these things. Yeah. Um, So. Over the next 10 years, there were multitudes of appeals filed um, by, you know, defense, also by the defendants themselves. There were new dates scheduled and postponed. However, all the appeals and motions were denied. Um, However, until another motion in 1979 was granted, which would lead to retrials. Ugh. Full-blown retrials. Why? In 1988. So, we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, they were retried because of the fact that they were not, due to the media sensation of the case, where it was about. There was bias. There mm-hmm. was. There was bias in the case. I mean, you can't really deny it well and and you know they came back so fast with the guilty
0: verdict yeah. you have jurors who already have a. they know about yeah. this crime yeah yeah wow yep i mean it's true it is true i mean they should have another trial even though
1: i think they're horrible monsters oh absolutely yeah um so we'll kind of talk through a little bit of that but we're kind of going timeline here so okay. in 1975 billy who was the only one not under the death sentence right. because of his age? He was returned to Maryland to stand trial for the kidnapping and murder of Richard Wayne Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they didn't try the others because they were already under yeah. the death penalty. So, like, what's the point? Right. Um, I mean, obviously, for the family, you want that right. to happen. Um, but it's I guess you they're know. like,
0: we're gonna get somebody. Yeah. We're gonna get the kid who got the two twenty-year sentences. Yep.
1: Um, so he was charged as an accomplice. He was found guilty and sentenced to 60 years, which would run concurrent to his 40-year sentence in Georgia. 100 years. So, he's never getting out. Well, concurrently, so it was served together. Oh. Um, so he could potentially serve 50 years before being eligible for parole. Gotcha. So, but he's not, I mean, like, 50 years.
0: Well, but he was only 15. So, that still makes him 65. Yep. So, he'll
1: come out with Medicare. Yep. Uh, Um... So, well, another kind of interesting segue. Um, Carl's mother actually said that he should be executed. Whoa. Said. Yep, do it. Um, she stated that she didn't want her sons, um, which would have been Isaac and Wayne. Or Carl Billy. Isaacs and Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she was Billy's mother. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who was mother. I don't know who has the same. There's a lot of yeah, yep. a lot of stuff. Um, she didn't want them around if they were going to be killing people. I appreciate that, Mama. Harsh, but all yeah, right. Yeah. Um, on the morning of July 28th, in 1980, there were four inmates on Georgia State's prison death row that escaped. Ugh. They walked out of the prison during the early morning shift change. Three of them were caught by July 30th, so two days and the fourth was discovered murdered. So this is also very interesting. Um, it came out that the mastermind behind the escape was Carl. Of course it was. Um, he had been planning the escape since 1974, so for like six years. Um, he had gotten a guard involved to help, and he had arranged for five men to be transferred to his cell block to, you know, there's a lot of going on, so he'd have, you know, time to move on. Um, the fifth guy who was supposed to be with all of them got cold feet and decided he did not want to escape. Good. And told on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he had been transferred from Reedsville to the Georgia Diagnostic and Classification Center in Jackson, Georgia, which is a few hours, a few, or a few hours before they broke free. So he was like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this. I'm going on my transfer. Um, Carl's only message to the three escapees who were, you know, when they returned to Reidsville was that he would, quote, like to kick their asses for being out that long and not getting a piece and wasting somebody. So Carl didn't escape himself. No. He just... He just helped these other ones escape. (sighs) Because he's like, I like escaping places. And isn't this fun to help
0: uh, America's youth?
1: Yes. I'm doing um, all of the things.
0: And they stupidly
1: wasted their time. They didn't yep. off somebody. Gosh. Yep. So, on December 26th of 1985, a guard at the Georgia Classification and Diagnostic Center in Jackson, Georgia, which I think is like a, maybe like a valuation center or something, but Carl was there, um, discovered that the entire front portion of the ventilation system in Carl's cell had been cut through. Mm. Carl was like this close, so, so close to have being able to escape. Wow. He had gone through multiple layers of screens and metal backings and the plumbing and everything behind the cell. All that was left was a single set of thin steel bars in the skylight before he could have gotten out. Wow. And he was planning to do this with three other inmates. Wow. So, he obviously didn't.
0: The legend continues. Yes, he did yes. not
1: succeed. All right. So, on December 9th, 1985, there was a three-judge panel, which was part of the 11th Circuit of the United States Court of Appeals, which mm-hmm. is where you would send all of your death penalty appeals to. Right. They review um, it. They review it. Mm-hmm. They decided that due to the, quote, inflammatory and prejudicial pre-trial publicity um, that Carl... Wayne and George could not have received fair trials and that each of them should have been granted a change of venue and that the error in doing not doing that was an unconstitutional judicial one, which I I don't think is incorrect. Right. It just feels icky. Yep. So the convictions and desonances of Carl Wayne and George were set aside despite the overwhelming evidence and all three were granted new trials. And where would this be held? So they were going to move the trials to, I can't ever say this, D- Decatur. Decatur. Decatur, Georgia, which yeah. is right outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so they moved them there. Um, Carl's new trial began on January 3rd of 1988. Um, on January 25th, 1988, around 6.45 p.m., um, the jury reached a verdict after deliberating for a little over two hours. Um, they found Carl guilty on all six counts of murder. Um, they then deliberated for another hour and 52 minutes and upheld the death sentence for Carl. Wow. So life in prison. No, they upheld. The oh, death they upheld penalty. it. Sorry. It yes. Penalty, yes. So, so yes, so you were going to die. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wayne's retrial, you know, happened as well. He, when he was at for real retrial, he was only forty-one, but he had lost all of his teeth. His hair was white, and his body was pretty much emaciated. So, like, he was having a rough time. Wow, rough time. Um, His attorney blamed Carl, saying that he was one of the most manipulative persons you will ever meet. And Billy, he blamed Billy as well, and said that he was exactly like Carl. Um, that he was a killer, a manipulator who cut a deal with the state. Wow. Um, so he also called in two psychologists to the sand um, to testify to Carl's psychological makeup and to Wayne's. Just to be like, hey, this guy could easily have been manipulated by somebody like mm-hmm. Carl. And maybe even lower IQ. Yeah. Some yeah. of those things. Yeah. Um, on April 29th, the case went to the jury. Um, the jury uh, had dinner together before they found <laughs> Wayne guilty okay. of Can six Can you pass the murder. potatoes? <laughs> I think we're going to find him guilty. Yeah. Yeah. So they found him guilty of the, the murders okay. um, on May 11th following a 35 hour, like 35 straight hours of deliberation. Wow. The jury foreman sent word that they were at a deadlock and the jurors were unable to agree on the sentence. The judge was forced to declare a mistrial no. under Georgia law. This meant that Wayne would receive a life sentence and be eligible for parole in 15 years. So this is 1989 mm-hmm. at this
0: point? So 1994 he would be or
1: eligible. 2004. 2004. Eligible for parole. So... Um, George was next um, and up for retrial in 1988. Um, However, the Georgia General Assembly had declared that George was actually, and this is their words back then, mentally retarded, um, and that since he was, he could not be executed in Georgia. Hmm. Um, He had been given multiple IQ tests, never scored higher than a 68 um, which met the requirements at the state of the state who judged that people with IQs lower than 70 to be mentally retarded which I, I don't like that word yeah, I mean, yeah um but that's what the wording was back in right the day <clears throat> um before we had a lot of the Americans with Disabilities yeah, Act and before some we had of all our, that yeah so on July 14th 1988 George pled guilty by reason of mental Incompetency, I'll say. Defect. Yeah. Um, to six counts of murder and was sentenced to six consecutive life terms. So, he's still in there. Just can't be put to death. Yeah. Um, so, for the Alday family, it just keeps getting worse for them. With the deaths of five of the men of the family, all farmers, yeah. the family business couldn't be sustained. Uh. Following the murders in 1973, neighbors in Donaldsonville did as much as they could to help um, to tend crops, bring them in. But it wasn't feasible for, you know, the community members who had their own farms Try help. To, do, to help run another farm um, past the first year. Um, so the farming equipment was sold off. Um, so prior to his death, Ned Alday, who was in, you know, getting older... Um, he had deeded his property to three of his sons, Jerry, Chester, and Jimmy. Um, he knew that they would never take advantage of him, felt that it was the safest way to protect the land, should anything have happened to him. However, no one could have guessed that, you know, They they would all die. Yeah. Um, with Ned's death, the property passed to Jerry, Chester, and Jimmy, all of whom died with him. Um... Mary officially outlived them because she was killed later in the day. Yeah, she inherited everything, um, save for you know the small plot by default. Right, it, it would went go to her to wife. Um, there was a small plot that had been set aside for Chester's wife, Barbara. With Mary's death, though, it meant that her heirs would inherit the land, which they she were young, have any. right, and they were. I mean. She didn't have any um so this was 500 plus acres that they had it went to the state just sweated and bled for you know like this was their land um Ernestine Alday Ned's wife had lived there for 40 years and it was not hers it was no longer hers The land was sold off in plots. Um, Ernestine was able to keep a small parcel of the land um, where she built, you know, a house for herself. Wow. So, Um, Ernestine Alday died October of 1998, um, which to me is shocking that the grief didn't kill her. Yeah. So she must have been a hell of a strong woman. And you said in last episode they married in 1935. So yep. this
0: means she was pretty yeah. up there in age. Yeah. Um, she is
1: one strong lady. She is. Um, <gasps> she passed in 1998. She was buried alongside her husband and children in the Spring Creek Baptist Church Cemetery. Um, less than a year later, in September of '99, her only surviving son and the oldest child, Norman... Um, who'd been serving in the military at the time of the murders, um, died in Colorado at age 63. Um, he had actually risen to the rank of Command Sergeant Major in the Army, which apparently is high. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but young still. 63 is pretty young. Yeah, that is young. So. All right. Moving on to May 6th of 2003. This is 30 years and one day after escaping from prison in Maryland, Carl's time ran out. He requested a regular institution tray for his final meal, which was that of pork and macaroni, pinto beans, cabbage, carrot salad, a dinner roll, chocolate cake, and fruit punch. Not a terrible last mm. meal. No. Um, I'd eat it. He did not, he did not eat it. Oh. He didn't touch it. Oh. He was given a lethal index- injection and pronounced dead at 8.07 p.m. No one from Carl's family was present. Um, he was, you know, his attorney was there. There were two ministers who witnessed. So the Alde um, family didn't come either. They did. Oh. Carl's family did not. Oh. Um, Carl denied making a final statement, um, but he did request a final prayer to which he reportedly mouthed, amen. Members of the surviving Alde family were present for the execution. This was the first time in Georgia that members of a victim's family were permitted to watch an execution. Mm-hmm. He became the second condemned inmate to be put to death in Georgia in 2003 and was the 32nd in the U.S. that year. Um, And he holds, at this time, held the record of being on death row longer than any other inmate in the U.S. because of all the retrial stuff. Is that so? Because, I mean, 1974 to 2003. 2003. Wow. Um, In the years since his execution, he's been connected with the January 1973 shotgun murder of 58-year-old Ann Elder of York County, Pennsylvania. Um, She met Carl in November of 1972 and was killed during a period that Isaacs had escaped from a detention facility. So they figure that he probably killed her. Wow. In 2003, um, Paige McKean, who is the granddaughter of Ned and Ernestine Alday, and she was the niece of Jerry, Mary, Jimmy, and Chester, um, she was instrumental in passing the Alday family bill, which makes it mandatory for state officials to contact the families of victims in death penalty cases twice a year to get updates. I appreciate that. Um, prior to the passing of the bill, it was very difficult for crime victims to get any information about any developments in the case, um, and she shares their story to spread awareness um, for victims of crimes. Um, in 2015, she actually spoke directly with Wayne Coleman about the murders of her family. Really? I don't know if there's any type of transcript of that interview. I would love to find that. But...
0: Or if she would like to come on this podcast and talk (laughs) to us more,
1: um, we would be so honored. What the heck? That'd be insane. Um, But she did. She was really, like, passionate about this project. Um, On April 4th, 2006, George uh, died of a heart attack in prison in Reidsville, Georgia. He was 68. On May 4th, 2009, um, Billy died in Florida, where he had relocated. He was 51. Where he had relocated. So he had gotten out. So he did get out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So he's 51 years old. Wow. Wayne continues to serve his prison sentence at the Georgia State Prison in uh, Reidsville, Georgia. He is eligible for parole, but he has been denied. Good. And he's currently 74 years old. Good. Or at the time this article was written.
0: And that's that. <sighs>
1: this is a. This is so good. I am so glad you found this. So that's you know that was there was <laughs> trials and more trials and appeals and everything. Which I think that part's really interesting to me. I always yeah. like to hear about the trials. Um, I know some people aren't as interested in it, but I just think this was so crazy.
0: This spree. I mean. You know, these guys were in jail uh, initially for reasons that just weren't that huge. Yeah. And then they
1: go and they become murderers. Yeah, it's like, what happened? Yeah. What happened? On and
0: that? it also does go back to my mother saying, choose your friends wisely. <laughs> Choose who you hang out with wisely. Yeah,
1: um, and I think there's several books been written about this case, and I think movies loved as well. To read it. Oh my gosh! Um, so definitely, and this of course, this article from um, Medium by Loria Johnston, where I got all this information from, is really great too.
0: I just feel so like. Oh, so like cold and icy and not just because it's cold in here, but also just the whole vibe of the story. It's so dark and intense, but I do like that there was some justice at the end of that. For sure. Well, if you all want to send us your feedback, uh, let us know how we're driving. Please do. You can email us at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. You can find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And for a good time, check our Patreon out at patreon.com slash mountainmysteries.
1: Haley, do you have a shout out today? Sure. Um, Let's go to Salmon Arm in British Columbia. Oh, that's delightful. Yeah. Salmon Arm.
0: Salmon Arm. I like it. I like like it a lot. Well, thank you guys so much and uh, catch us next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.